Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. So in this podcast, I actually get interviewed by one of my long-term clients who is not only now a coach himself, but has his own podcast. And he asked me a question that I'd never really been asked before, and that was, what is grief? And thankfully, I was able to answer that immediately and in a way that I hadn't really thought about. So it just kind of flowed out of me. Anyway, I'm excited to share this one with you because it's an interview I haven't done in this format before and from someone who's experienced doing a lot of work with me. So we got to dive into a lot of the conversations that him and I had had previously around grief, about what it is, how you find it, and then how you resolve it so you can move forward. So enjoy, and as always, given I'm on the other side of the mic, would love to hear feedback. Thank you for those people who have been sending in their feedback. I really appreciate it. Speak to you soon. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Ant Marino podcast. I finally have my life coach, Ian Hawkins, on the podcast. And uh, the reason this has taken so long to come to fruition is that he lives in Sydney and I was living in Melbourne, but I'm currently moving to Queensland and uh, doing a road trip on the way up and have decided to stop in and talk to him and everything like that. So I'm introducing uh, Ian Hawkins to you guys. Um, So Ian Hawkins is the founder of The Grief Code and he helps people heal um, unknown and unresolved grief through unlocking people's grief code. He is also um, a host of the Grief Code podcast, which has just ticked over a hundred episodes. So that is a massive, massive achievement. Very inspirational to me. And um, yeah, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. Great to be in your own home. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I like you said. I like you said stopping by. Yeah, yeah. we're actually still here a week later. <laughs> Just swinging in. <laughs> Just swinging in to say hello. Yeah, no, but it's been awesome to have you here. I had yeah. a, I've had a great week. I uh, I haven't got a heap of work done, but it's still been a good week because we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and if you're watching this, we're in Ian's office. Um, but if you're listening to this. Uh, we're in Ian's office because <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't know what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, currently in Ian's office in Sydney. Um, and, you know, just to touch on what Ian just said about haven't done much work, but it's actually been a great 
great week for you. Like, you know, in business and all that yeah. by not doing as much, which is weird for people to hear. Like the more, you, the less you do, the more, the less you push and try and like achieve, 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 the more that comes to you. hundred percent. And it doesn't mean I still haven't acted on the things that need to be acted on, but I haven't been worrying about all the things that I think I need to do. And there are still times where I definitely fall into that trap, but I've instead of just been prioritizing, yeah, like I said, the things that have to be done, the, the groups where I'm coaching, the other sessions that I had, and then I've been prioritizing us going and having a chat, getting to the cafe, having a game of golf, going yeah. out to dinner, and it's been awesome. Uh, my family's been tolerant though because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what they look like. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the other day we went and played golf and, you know, it was in the afternoon and we had some business calls in the morning. Well, some calls um, of your coaching programs and, you know, it was just like a really cool moment where I was like, you know, like business in the morning, party in the Arvo, but not yeah. party, but play, you yeah. know, play in the Arvo. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how good is that? And you, you also mentioned that that was like part of your dream life vision yes. when you sat down years ago and, uh, yeah, planned out your life and what, it, what, what you wanted it to look like. So that was cool. It was. And it was a cool realization because it's one of the resources I give to my clients. It's not something I've looked at a heap myself lately, but a realization that, yeah, that's what my day looked like. It was, we went to the cafe, then we did, uh, whatever work needed to be done, did some coaching, and then we played golf, went out to dinner. I don't don't think I wanted for much more than that when I was doing my perfect day way back when, so that's cool. Yeah, amazing. And talking about way back when, can you tell tell me and tell the listeners a little bit about your story and how you got to helping people overcome their grief? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, and – I did a teaching degree because it was PE and I, it was actually probably third on my list. I wanted to do sports journalism. I wanted, I wanted it to be sport, right? And uh, apart from that, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So the, the whatever, because I didn't do a great deal of study, whatever uh, course I got into, I would do. So I ended up, fate took me to Sydney University to do human movement education. And my first prac teaching uh, with primary school was cool, but when I did the high school, I'm like, oh, no, this is not for me because I had to be teaching not only PE but, uh, you know, year eight, year nine, year ten kids around uh, sex education and personal development. And as a, as a shy and, and a really a, a young fellow lacking in confidence, like, uh, this prac was torture. And um, so then I went into TV, like randomly got a job once I finished uni in TV and then I just drifted. We were talking about this yesterday. Mm. And, and you said, oh, man, you, you were at that job for a long time because I was at Fox Sports for 18 years. Again, the sports theme continues. And I was saying to Ant, each couple of years where I'd get restless and oh, I'm not getting paid enough, I'm not getting fulfilled enough, I'd get a change of job or I'd get a pay rise and that would just be enough to keep me there. And then 2005, my dad passes away. And it wasn't sudden, but it was. Like, he'd been sick for a while. But I don't think any of us really knew how sick. And I talk about this a lot in in my story, is that he came to the door just outside from just here where we're sitting in the office. And 
he must have been dropping something off or I can't remember what it was, but it was just him. And as he went to leave, he turned around and he said, oh, you know that money you owe me? And I went, yeah. And he said, don't worry about paying it back. Now, I, for whatever reason, I immediately knew what that meant. Mm. And I, I literally would have stood there for a couple of seconds. It probably, you know, when it happens, it feels like it's about 10 seconds because you're just sort of dumbfounded. And I, and I just remember just pausing and not knowing what to say and then eventually, oh, okay, thank you, or, you know, spitting out something like that. But then walking inside and, and just suddenly the reality of, like, he was sick uh, and he knew he was dying and that was, I kind of felt like his way of telling me that that was the case. And, um, yeah, so so that floored me. And then when he, when he passed away, oh, and also because uh, I'd, through my lack of confidence and and my just the lack of awareness about who I was and and how to connect properly, I always felt this disconnect with him. And then I knew because he loved kids and he was looking after my older siblings' kids. And I knew when I had kids, he was gonna like was gonna be a way for us to connect. And I can still remember how excited he was when he answered the phone when I said, "Oh, I've just had a baby girl," and like just the joy in his voice. And then ten months later, he's passed away mm. and oh yeah and then how I got into grief like well the very first personal growth personal development self-help whatever you want to call it my first coach I'm doing this process and it was apologies letters of apology so you can release it from you not apologizing for them but apologizing so you can heal and I'm two and a half pages into the letter to my dad doing this apology letter with tears in my eyes going, oh shit, there might be a bit of stuff here that I didn't realise was there. And so then I I started to feel better slowly and and then everything just accelerated and I couldn't get enough of all that growth. And, mm. and the more you do, the more you want to do. I was in corporate, things started improving there. I found myself doing a lot of coaching in the leadership roles that I was in and then it just became a logical progression. The actual branding is something that I've only been really clear on in the last 12 months. So, And it feels good because when, when you get into that right alignment and you're sharing the right message and, it, and again, from my own experience, so it makes it the, the easiest thing that you can ever show anyone else is something that you've done yourself. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the short version of how I landed here. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. Yeah. Um, I actually did a post today about... Um, you know, my greatest, my greatest, uh, not grief, but I said greatest pain was my greatest teacher, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I help people now with their relationships and um, their relationships with themselves specifically. Like at the end of the day, um, people feel lost and people feel uh, stuck right? And they have low confidence and low self-worth and they keep getting into these relationships where people are manipulative and abusive and all that. And they, they don't know why they attract it. And yeah, like I was the same. And, um, I went through, you know, I went through that stuff too. And now I can help people with that. Yeah. And yeah, it's a fucking blessing. Um, what I call the gift in the grief. Hmm. Because grief is not just about someone passing away. It's uh, relationship breakups. It's, you know, like you've talked about, oh, amateur, I've left the, the laptop on loud so you hear in the pinging. <laughs> Apologies, everyone. Well, um, <laughs> ho- 
<laughs> Hopefully that doesn't come through. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that the gift and the grief, you not only went through that, but but past experiences of challenges in relationships, you know, with your parents, like that everyone does, but those patterns are repeat. And, yeah, what a blessing that, that now you're able to help other people because of everything that you've overcome mm. and that everything that you've done for yourself. And, like, you know, I'm biased and – because we've worked together for for so long now, but at like at, I'm honoured to work with you, but I'm also so proud of of how far you've come because mm. it's yeah joy to watch and and uh, I hope you're proud of yourself too, mate. Because I am I am proud and I and uh, I appreciate your words, appreciate your words and uh, appreciate the work that you do because you've helped me get to where I am, you know. And then the grow you grow, and the more that you grow, the more that you can teach other people. And, you know, it's just, it's just helped me along the way, you know? Yeah. And for the listeners, like you don't necessarily have to have this idea of having a business or, or even helping at any grand scale, the more you can heal yourself and the more you can continue to grow, that's going to have a positive impact on how you feel about yourself. And that's going to ripple out to the most important people in your life. Mm. So starting there because of the benefit it's going to give you in your family life in your close relationships and just again how you feel within yourself that that in itself is just gold and worth every moment that you invest in yourself yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um so this could be a pretty simple question but i think it's complex <laughs> like what is grief good question yeah so to me it's the emotional and well, at, at every level, physical, mental, and emotional, spiritual impact of an event in your life that caused you pain. And the grief is the ongoing impact of that. And again, it's, people look at grief and they, they think about the familiar elements of grief, but we all experience grief from quite a young age. We all have these moments of pain. Mm. Now, for me, I, I used to have this reoccurring dream, and it wasn't until I started this work that I realized what, what that reoccurring dream was as actually in the womb. There was these noises, like a thumping noise that used to slow down, speed up, but I could never see any, any pictures or color. It was like a really dark, maybe little bits of light. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's my mum's heartbeat as she's experiencing stress or anxiety or whatever else and the reason I couldn't see anything because is my memory of it is through a dark you know a darkness inside the womb mm. and little specks of gray or light where I guess some light shines through and so that's where the grief started for me and then going through those younger years you can't help but be influenced by the significant people in your life because they're doing the best they can with everything that they've experienced and if you think back two generations going through wars world wars and then another generation through depressions and all those sorts of things and if you think about like we've been through the last couple of years as well like the grief upon the grief like more of that impact on the holistic part of you mm. all of those levels and for me particularly around the emotional because that's as a really sensitive and sensory and an emotional sort of person that's where it had the biggest impact but it depends on your own experience um, so yeah, that answers the question. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what I basically got from that was there's not necessarily like grief isn't necessarily around, uh, losing, 
um, you know, a family member or a mate, um, you know, stuff like that. But it can be like, obviously it can be that. And that's a big thing, but also, uh, you know, traumatic events throughout your life is also you, you accumulate grief through that. hundred percent. And something you said just recently, you said you had this realization is that when you healed from something and you notice you went to that next level of growth, you realize that there was grief because there's that old version of you had died. Mm. And, and yeah, so growth creates grief too. But the beauty of that is, is that because you're going through it and you're releasing it, you're releasing that old part of you as well. So when you're on that forward momentum, forward trajectory and, you've, and you're continuing to release and grow, you can't help but improve things. And again, that's like why we do what we do because we know the benefit of, of it can have on people's lives because, we've again, we've lived it. Mm. Um, so you mentioned something about it having an effect holistically on people's lives. What affects does that look like like how can it show up well i'll start with how it showed up for me mm. so i was uh, a people pleaser uh we talked about it this week as well a recovering control freak they're all patterns of behavior that had come from me dealing with the, that grief at a really young age where you just build up these patterns of behavior to, to your tiny mind does the best to deal with whatever's thrown at you and so as a people pleaser it used to play out for me in just i used to get just so these moments of angst in the pit of my stomach. Oh, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Because I was running around trying to keep everyone happy and I was keeping no one happy, least of all myself. Physically, I used to carry it within my body. So from probably about sort of late teens, early 20s, late 20s, like shoulders, I, I, countless injuries in sport that just seemed to uh, – compile on each other or compound on each other my back so when i finally got my back healed went to a couple of different chiropractors and a, and a, a number of other modalities but they were undoing all these uh, compromises that the muscles around my spine had built up because each time they went through a moment of grief and the you know more more mm. clamping out of those muscles to protect different parts of me and you know, what i've learned now is that each part of the body represents a different element of grief or a different element of unresolved or unknown uh, patterns there, and uh, and, I, and that's how I held mine. For some people, they might hold it as weight because they're literally carrying everybody else's stuff. Sometimes it shows up as a different illness. So that's that's sort of physically and like for me, I, I used to get attention from getting injured. So that was something that again through a pattern of learning from my childhood emotionally I was blocking emotions because most of us from from our generation or around that sort of generation were taught with messages like don't be sad don't be angry don't be upset uh, if you're a guy don't be soft don't be a pussy don't be a wuss all of those different things so while our body naturally plays out with these emotions to show us what's good what's bad and, and what's in between we've got this programming within us that's telling us that's, that's not okay. And see so this whole contradiction, again, that can cause tension in the body. Mm. It, can, it can mess with our emotions. And then both of those things start messing with your mental state. You overthink things, you procrastinate, you get overwhelmed, you get anxious, 
all of those things, and that's a spiral downwards. Mm. And then it was really interesting, a kinesiologist telling me five years ago that, that I, he had a heap of depression he had to release from me. I'm like, really? Like, I've had depression? He goes, you've been dealing this with, with this from, from quite a young age. And I'm like, how can that be? He said, well, because it did start at a young age, you've just got really, really good at dealing with it. I'm like, hmm, fascinating. But not everyone has had that experience. And for some of it's dragged them down deeper. And, and then the spiritual side. So I grew up in a, in a church-going family and Christian upbringing. And so much of that was great. So much of it didn't make sense to me. It just didn't. Like I couldn't make sense of it, mm. like particularly the fear and the control. And, and so I went the other extreme and went, well, I'm just going to dismiss all of that. So I lost my connection to a higher power, to, to my higher self mm-hmm. and my intuitive abilities, which have been there since from a young age. Yeah. Like I can remember as a kid, like I can still remember the moment. Haley's Comet was, was in town. So once every 80 years or whatever it is, we went to see it. And um, I remember going on the car at night, I'm getting tingles now as I tell the story, looking up at the stars and going, what is this world that we live in? Mm. And just my whole body just getting goosebumps and tingles. And I, I know now that's confirmation of that's a, that's a message from, from spirit or source or God or the universe, however you want to look at it, to confirm that, yeah, there's so much more out there than, than what you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and that led me to be fascinated. I was one of those skeptics. I didn't believe in certain things, but I couldn't get enough of it. So <laughs> there was a show here in Australia, Great Mysteries of the World, and it talked about the supernatural and people with these different abilities. And you can only we only use ten percent of our brain. What else is possible? So I always had this fascination with that that area, and and now reconnecting with my spirituality, not through necessarily the, a Christian or or church lens, although I do love a lot of their teachings, but more from that like pure spiritual connection and the ability to to really heighten your intuition and all of the amazing human capabilities we have through that so really it's it grief takes you away from your most natural way of being mm. and creates all of these different elements that slow you down mm. and that um yeah stop you from being the best version of yourself and and as you talk about impacts all of your relationships yeah for sure so um, as you started to heal your grief, where did, what did you notice first about, you know, what area of your life did you notice things started to get better? Like was it physically, was it spiritually, was it mentally or emotionally or in relationships? Well, the thing that came straight to me was uh, I discovered meditation and I, I was very angry. And because I'd bottled that anger up for so long, it would spill out into different places now, in the past, it had been things like sport, and and I've said this many times, but those that have seen me play in more recent years would see that that still can happen at different times. Um, those that have been playing with me for a long time will know that every time now that I get a little bit heated, they're like, they come and speak to me. I'm like, no, I'm much more in control of it now, and I'm like, no, it's cool, but thank you. Uh, but then when I had kids and they were young, like, and, and keeping myself all professional and well-behaved at work and then coming home and exploding to the people that I should have been given my best and I was given my worst. Mm-hmm. And so start discovering meditation and finding a way to be able to be calm and to not react in that way, like that, that was just such a blessing to me. And a little, a little bit of a story about how that came to be because I think it's, it's important for the listeners is 
when I created my dream vision, which my first mentor showed me how to do, I had a really strong focus on, on that, about how I was showing up. And so I discovered meditation in probably the only way I could through sport. Mm. So I just played golf. I'm in the, uh, the bar afterwards. There's a secondhand bookstore. I'd always been a, like a read when I was younger, but then all through high school, so I hate reading. Like I did. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so year 12, uh, final year, you know, when you're meant to read whatever text it is and I didn't finish them. I'm sure my parents read one or both of them and <laughs> gave me guidance along the way. But I'm drawn to this book sale and I go over there and I find two books and one of them was written by Paul Ruse. Those in Australia would be familiar with him, well-known coach for getting the best out of his players and creating awesome culture. Aussie rules. Yeah, Australian rules, that's it. And um, and also I was drawn to it because he had he had these players that talked about how they did things differently. So Brett Kirk comes to mind. He was like he was known for like he wasn't massively talented from a football perspective, but he got absolutely everything out of his ability. And he talked about these different alternative methods. And I was exploring alternative at that point. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, I want to read this book from Paul Ruse. Now, what I didn't notice at the time strangely, but it makes sense, is that it was co-written by his wife, Tammy. And Tammy was a yoga teacher and meditation coach and, or teacher. And so about halfway through, like I'm leading, learning all these things that, that you know, Rosie talks about and, and now has uh, corporate programs, I think. And, and that's why I got caught into different clubs. Melbourne have just won the flag and, and he was pretty instrumental in lifting oh, them up. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Didn't know that. Um, well, didn't he coach them for a few years? I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> Come on. I haven't followed, followed AFL for ages yeah, until right. last year I started to get back into it. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, and, and I'm reading all these things about leadership and, you know, one of the things that really struck me was like walking like an athlete. They, they walk tall. They're proud of like standing in their power. They have tough conversations constructive criticism, mm. uh, they praise each other. Now, anyone who's worked in a job knows that those things don't happen that often, and if they do, they don't usually happen in a positive way. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, man, like this is so good. And then this chapter written by his wife, and there were many chapters written by his wife, about meditation and about this experience with her grandfather and having this connection to an ancestor and, and a Native American person and I'm like, you know, like I said, the skeptic was like, oh, man, I'm getting tingles in my body and I'm going, all right, I need to know more about this. So I started meditating. Absolute game changer. Yeah. And then I read something from another sports person, Justin Langer. The, 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 he was the Australian captain, Australian cricket coach until recently. And he, he couldn't articulate it in any other way except he, he summed it up perfectly. The days that I meditate, I just feel better. I can focus better, concentrate better, I'm calmer. And the days that I don't, well, then it just doesn't feel great. And that was it for me. The days that I was meditating, I was able to control myself and that regulate my emotions better. I was able to not be that, that cranky, angry dad and react at, at everything. I was able to stay calm in different situations. And the days that I didn't meditate, then I would quickly slip back into those same patterns. And it was that important to me to be better in that area that it just became a part of my life because if it didn't, I didn't like where I was heading. So it just became just as important as eating and drinking. Yeah, right. Um, 
you mentioned um, you mentioned before about, and we've already touched on this, like in a holistic perspective for yourself, but something that um, I think is important because you you've told me this before, and I'm not sure if you're open to share this, but um, you know you feel like the um, with your dad what actually was going on for him was unresolved grief. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what actually manifested into a disease. Well, that's what I believe. Of course, there's no way of actually proving that, but mm. from everything I've learned about Chinese medicine, uh, science-based things like kinesiology and what's come through there. So if you're, if you're a, a skeptic of the, the, um, what's the word? Um, that more spiritual side, like something like kinesiology has a spiritual element, mm. but it's very scientific and you can look mm. up how it works and all confirmed through muscle testing through that experience as well. Yeah. And specifically, my dad died from a couple of things. He had a leukemia, but he also had massive problems with his lungs. Where do we store grief? In the lungs. Mm. And part of my growth I'm going I actually have this wheezy breathing when I lie down and go to sleep at night like I've got a kind of wheezy breathing I'm like that's that can't be right and so then when I started learning this stuff I'm like oh okay oh, there's something there's something to this and so yeah what I've learned is that there's a lot of different things that have been passed down ancestrally and things going back four generations on on both sides mm. um, for those who are open to it uh, also past life things that have been cleared and I'll say now to the listeners what I've probably said to you many times it's not your fault whether you believe things that happen from past lives or or from getting carried down from other people or if you just believe what you know will be true for you which is you've experienced trauma is that when that happened whether in the womb or when you're one or two or three or four those patterns have gone through your whole life that's not your fault Mm. And it's so important to remember, this is not your fault that you've got these things going on for you that are causing you pain, that are causing you frustration, that are impacting your relationships. How could they possibly be? You're too young to have done any better. Yeah. And so give yourself that leave pass. Yeah. But importantly, it's not your fault, but it absolutely is your responsibility. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. No one's going to come and fix all these different things. I spent a lot of time blaming my dad. Mm. It wasn't his fault. He had things happen in his life that had him behaving the way he has and no doubt that he gave me a much softer version of whatever he experienced. Yeah. And what a gift for me. But I wasn't seeing that at the time. So, yes, it's not your fault. Yes, it's also your responsibility to change it. Mm. No one else's. 100%, 100%. And uh, I think it's really important like, um, to touch on – the generational trauma and all that stuff because, um, you know, I used to believe that we came out of the womb as a blank canvas and then we, uh, you know, we learned everything along the way, which a lot of it we did. Um, but, you know, I thought the fear, all my fears were my fears, you know, and I learned them along the way because I was a blank canvas at the start and then I picked up all these, you know, something bad would happen to me that would make me feel like shit. But 
and then I didn't want that to ever happen again. So I built a wall around that and a coping mechanism. And then so when that thing would happen again, you know, I would either, you know, I would do something to kind of uh, not feel that pain again. Um, but yeah, like there's this thing that people kind of think it's like, well, you know, you, you're so fucking privileged, you shouldn't be depressed, right? Yeah. You're so privileged, you've got a roof over your head and fucking clean water and food and you've got nothing to be depressed about. And the thing is, like what I've learned is that there are so many different things that add to um, that feeling of depression, right? Because we could, it's a whole other topic talking about if you've got depression or not or you actually just feel depressed. Yeah. Um, but there's so many things that add to that. You know, it's not just what's going on in your current life. It's, you know, shit that was, shit that happened in the womb. Shit that, like, uh, your mum went through while you were in that womb. Mm. Uh, you know, stuff that happened um, from your actual parents that they passed it down through their, um, through their DNA. But also you know, three generations, four generations, five generations back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's important to talk about that. Yeah. Can, and can I add something there? Absolutely. You talked about, you know, like that conversation, oh, you should, you shouldn't get this. You shouldn't get that. The other thing around that is that, um, people talk about, oh, but there's people with a way worse than me. And, I want to encourage you to not use that phrase or anything like it because you're you're under I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the word I'm trying to get at the moment but you you are not invalidating it's probably not the word but under, anyway under. You're, you are you are basically saying that that you having to deal with whatever you're dealing with is something you shouldn't have to mm. you you absolutely whatever you're going through is real and it's painful and there's no comparison. Mm. Like people who are going through the most tough times, if they've been doing it for a while, they've dealt with it the best that they can and it's not your place to compare because you're always going to look at how you're going in the, if you're looking at it and saying, oh, they're going much better, you're going to be downplaying what's going on for you mm. or you're going to be looking at how they're going and you're going to be thinking that you're, that you're going better than you are and really you're doing yourself a massive disservice because whatever needs to be resolved for you, it's important. And the most important person in your life is you. Mm. And so, yeah, that, that phrase of, oh, someone's got it worse off than me. Well, maybe. How's that going to help? Like, it's a way of justifying you not taking any action towards doing something to, to heal. Mm. And, yeah, so I encourage you all just to say, I'm going through this and that's okay. That's a conversation you have with yourself and when you're ready, opening up to, to someone who can create a safe place for you to be able to talk about that. Yeah. And you deserve that. Every single person deserves that space. Yeah, and what I've found is that when I have told myself like other people have it worse off than me, I've just felt so much shame of feeling shit. Like it's like, you know, you're trying to pep yourself up and motivate yourself and be positive to be this better person and, and not feel like shit. 
because other people have it worse. But then you just feel shame for feeling shit. And guilty, yeah. And, and guilty. And then you end up feeling worse. Yeah, and then when you do feel better, then you feel guilty for feeling better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my problem for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually feeling good um, and being around people that might not feel good, you know, and shining that light and then having to dim it. Yeah, and it, and it is uncomfortable for people in your life, particularly those closest to you, when you do start stepping into that space. And it may feel uncomfortable and they may feel like you're doing something unto them, whereas really you're just trying to be the best version of yourself. But the hurt part of them, the wounded part of them, the unresolved and, and, um, and still grieving part of them will feel like they're under attack. Mm. And, and, they will, and whatever they used to, however they used to connect with you, when you change, they're not sure how to connect. And that's one of the challenges of, of this, this journey. Some of the listeners maybe have already experienced that. And it's just remembering that it, it's not personal. It's just that they, they, they're not sure how to deal with this new version of you. Mm. The, the rope that they used to hang on to and connect you with you with is no longer there. So they're left sort of grasping and, and they might come at you harder with even more intensity to try and get you to react the same way you used to react. Mm. Or they might disappear altogether because they're like, I can't even deal with that. And that's just normal. And I will just say that they, the more you can just own your own journey and grow, then, then those people will get the benefits of that, even mm. if not directly. And, yeah, it's just not important to, like you said, not dim your light for other people because then you're doing them a disservice too. Mm. Every time you grow and shine brighter, those important people will, will get the shift and, and that's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. And um, what I've noticed through your group programs is, um, you know, uh, a lot of people are struggling all the time and I've struggled a lot as well. But it was a few weeks ago I turned up on, a, on, on one of the group calls and, you know, you share your, um, your struggles and then you share your wins, right? And a lot of people had struggles, but not many too many, too many people had wins. Some did. And then when I came along to, to share my thing, I could not think of a struggle because I just felt so good about life. And, you know, the old me would have tried to find something that I was struggling with and uh, not share what was going on for me, especially after, because this, this is how I do it. I let other people go first yeah, because I'm good at holding space for people. Um and yeah, I would have usually dimmed my light and not actually shared how fucking good things were going. But I came on and, you know, it's not that that, do- that thought doesn't come up anymore. Um, it's getting less and less, but it still comes up and I go, oh, well, thank you for, thank you for talking to me. But, uh, you know, your voice is not welcome here and I'm going to fucking shine my light, awesome. you know, awesome. and I think I even shared that. You did, yeah. At the start, right? And and then I just I just fucking let my light out and talked about everything that was going well. Yeah. And the, how pumped I was. And then you you I felt a shift in the room and people benefited from what I was sharing and share for sharing my light. 100% and there were even comments about um thank you because that's inspired me. Mm. Because people want to see that whatever they've invested in themselves 
that they are going to get the results. It's And again, for the listeners, they might be thinking like this, well, I'm not sure because I doubt myself and, and I might not know this consciously, but it's like, will I be able to get those results? And with the right person, you absolutely will. Mm. And you sharing that in the call allowed people to go, ah, okay, so that's where I want to get to. And that was really cool. And it's why, given that we've <laughs> – I remember you saying uh, maybe six months ago, or maybe it was even longer, you were talking about, oh, I feel like I need to do some more courses and have some more training. And I'm like, mate, you just spent four years learning uh, – being a, 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 a master in uh, intuitive coaching. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. Because you, you had basically just absorbed all the things that I taught you, which is why I can now trust you to take my programs when I'm not there, which I, I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, to have someone in my world that can do that. Mm. The other thing you mentioned, um, holding space, which you are very good at, I did have to laugh. Uh, you got to do the session with me in the room and you were having to hold space from a physical perspective as well, and you were going through all these different contortions yeah. as you, as you um, held the uh, emotions and, and the physicality of those emotions of that, that either the people in the call were experiencing or that I was uh, connecting with them through mm. the call. So, uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah, so for anybody that, that's listening, like the coaching, the life coaching that, um, Ian does and you know that I've learned to do also uh, isn't just like setting your goals and creating your life vision and all that stuff like it's fucking healing shit it's healing your grief and your trauma and releasing that stuff and uh, being being spiritual like Ian's uncovered these gifts and I've also uncovered these gifts and um, when you hold space for somebody and allow them to talk they're releasing by talking, but also you become um, a a kind of how would you just a filter a filter yeah, and things start to come through you that you know to help them release like you start coughing and uh, you know I, I'll explain it in, in yeah, you uh, explain really it. really simple language. I imagine anyone who's listening to Ant's stuff would have some form of some form of intuitive ability. They would have that sort of sensory nature about them. They'd probably be an empath, uh, and they would be used to having moments where people unload their life's problems to them. And so, those you listening, you know what I'm talking about, right? You walk into a room and it, that it doesn't feel quite right because you feel the energy, or you walk into a room and you're like, "Oh, that's cool," or you see someone in the room like, "I want to go connect with them." Like they they just seem like a lot of fun. Mm. And then also it's like people unload all their stuff and you're left feeling like crap. So that's what we're talking about. So rather than being the uh, dumping ground or on those new vacuums, they're not so new these days, but um, I go way back when vacuums had vacuum bags, but <laughs> <laughs> the vacuum's got the filter and then the, the, um, the drum where all the, the waste goes. You don't want to be the drum, which is what I was for so many years, carrying around all those things, like I said, all that pain in my back, mm. or if you're carrying weight or carrying whatever it is, injury, illness, you want to be the filter. So you hold that space for them, you feel what they're going through in the body, and you lighten their load long enough so that they can actually talk about it and feel safe to talk about it. And then they release, you're still holding that stuff, and instead of like you taking it on, it's almost like you pull the filter out, rinse it clean, mm. and be able to go about your day. And they're lighter, and and you're as you were. Mm. Well, if anything, you're probably lighter too, because when you when you 
help other people, you get the shift as well. Yeah, for sure. And the first time I saw it was when um, I was doing some work with uh, your coach, Capriel, and we were talking about some fucking heavy shit, like <laughs> shit that I've never shared before. And um, you you were just holding space. You were just sitting there and then you just started going through something and you just were coughing and like uncontrollably coughing and then there was one point you felt like you were going to vomit and I'm like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on with him? Like I've never seen you like this before. And yeah, it was just like, I was just like, what the fuck is actually happening? And then when I spoke to you later on and you, you spoke about that, you know, that filter, I was like, yeah, right. And, you know, one one thing is for me is like I struggle a bit to actually come to terms with my gifts. And so they, they can sometimes um, – uh, flatline or, you know, you get to a certain place and um, they're not kind of exceeding. Like I see uh, so many other spiritual people and healers and all that um, talking about these connecting with fucking angels and like some serious woo-woo shit, right? Yeah. And I'm like, like yeah, I want a fucking piece of that, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm also worried to trust myself and trust the gifts. So I feel like I plateau, which is the word I was looking for before, um, and I'm held back a bit, but being here this week, you know, we've had conversations around that and, uh, I was in the room with you when we were, um, on the, on your calls, on your group calls. And then I actually started to feel it, Yeah, you know, through, uh, your clients when they were sharing and going through some emotional stuff. Like I was coughing and then I felt really sick at one point. Yeah. So yeah, and and you raise something really powerful. Then again, for the for the listeners who are who are sensitive and, and empaths, you would know those times where you are taking on people's stuff, and it might be, you might even feel like this. It feels like like I end up being the one that is doing all the good things and being really kind and all those sorts of stuff, and then people kind of come and dump their stuff and then piss off. And part of it is because they don't understand just how valuable you are and your ability to hold space for them and to mm. be able to draw that stuff out. And you don't either. So how do we change that? When you see the value in it, like Ant just described then, and what I would say, you know, Ant said, oh, you know, I'm not seeing the value in it. Well, only to the level that he's up to now. He certainly sees the value in all those skills that he's learned over time. And that's normal. There are still some things where where you know, I doubt those abilities, but it's like the more you can trust yourself, which and you referenced before, and the more you can trust that intuition and the more you can realize just how valuable you are to be able to hold space for people and absorb their stuff so they can heal, mm. the more value you, you, that you'll be putting out to the world, you'll be able to have such an impact in your, your work life, your family life. Mm. Um, and when you are able to see that value that you bring to people, they'll start to see how just how valuable you are as well. And that's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I want to go back to talking about um, the grief and um, specifically around, uh, you know, the loss of a loved one and, um, you know, when they pass away. Not so much when you lose them from a breakup or whatever, but I want to talk about um, the loss of a loved one. Um and, you know, for you, how did that grief show up when your dad passed away? And, um, yeah, like, 
what what did you notice come up for you that you've never felt before and that you never you like I guess you've never had to go through before because you haven't lost someone so close yeah well it's interesting again being a people pleaser more worried about how everyone else was mm. like I went straight into that mode so this is going to sound like absolute like mental to people and it, and it felt mental to me at the time but we're in uh, ICU right so that's where people are the sickest of sick mm. and we're saying goodbye to my dad and you know, my family is all hysterical and I'm worried about upsetting the other families. Mm. Like, can you believe that? That makes no sense. But that's how my brain was operating because mm. I was so worried about everyone else instead of just being in the moment. So even thinking about it now, like I said goodbye to my dad, but again, I wasn't like, I wasn't properly connected. Now I've made peace with that and, and I now have a, deeper connection with him now than I ever have. But that's just, that's just where I was at. And then all the things that unfolded afterwards was, man, like for the first two weeks, everyone's around and you want to talk to someone, but you don't want to talk to someone. Mm. So when one of my mates rang me and just listened, man, I have said this to him, but I really don't think he understands how valuable that was to me because it was exactly what I needed, just someone to listen. And again, I didn't know how important that was at the time. But then after about two weeks, everyone goes back to their normal day-to-day life. Mm. I went back to work, everyone got on with it, and you're left feeling, well, what do I do now? You're just completely lost. And that drifting stage, that can last as long as you allow it to. And for me, it was six years. And thankfully, I had another one of those catalyst for change moments where I changed. But, but that's that six years was like I want things to be better, and I started just questioning everything. Now, this is a different experience than than I'm sure other people went through. But but I can literally remember at my dad's funeral, hearing all these amazing things that that he'd done, and how well respected he was in all the different communities in the church. He was a teacher in the so in the school, local community. Uh, in, in like his tennis group, all these different areas. And I just remember thinking, man, if I die today, people aren't saying that stuff about me. Like what? Now, I now know that actually I was contributing more than, than what I realized, right? But I was still doing a whole lot of stuff. Like I was drinking like so much and, and like, you know, the things that come to mind was I was really sarcastic and I would have cut people down a lot to try and make myself feel better and, that's the lens that I was looking at it. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, if I died tomorrow, what, what would people say? And I was already in that, something like I mentioned before, my, my first child and, and that just makes you want to be better. And then you have another child and that just makes you want to be better again. And then losing someone like, oh man, I'm going to be better than this. Mm. I've got to be better. But again, I wanted to change, but I didn't know, I didn't know how. And, and that's part of how the grief cave was born because mm. I don't want people to drift for six years. Mm. I'm, I'm not, I don't help people with, I can help people with grief in that, in those first uh, weeks and, and months, but I help people when they're at that point where they're like, okay, now I'm ready. Mm. I'm ready to move forward in my life because it's not until you actually are ready that, that you can start healing anyway. So, what was your question? You said, how, how, what was the grief like? Mm. Well, the first night, uh, like my wife, Kate, uh, she was like wanting to make sure I was okay. And, 
And I just remember saying, I, I actually don't need you to do anything except just listen if I talk because mm. I just needed that space. And I remember in the shower that first that first night just talking to my dad. Now, like I said, I'd gone a long way from spirituality, but those times bring you back to believing in it and why would you not want to believe it? I had this conversation with a friend about three weeks ago and she, she was talking about that. She said, you know, it's funny when my mum passed and, and I talked about a lot of this spiritual stuff and, and the connection with her and, and feeling like she was there with me. And when you're in grief and you're grieving in those early days, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, they're really understanding. But if you have that same conversation with them a year or two down the track or further, like pe- most people are like, yeah, mate, I'm not sure. I know what you're talking about there. Like when you're dead, you're dead sort of thing. Mm. Or, or even if they've got a, they're spiritually minded, they're not really, you know, wanting to think like that. But I was doing that from that time and, and, and I've continued to, to seek that connection. And, 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 and there are times where he will literally show up and deliver a message. And, and how do I know? Because like what's coming over me now, he's just showing me now. He's like a completely overwhelmed with emotion and I just feel like his wisdom and guidance telling me exactly what I need to do. Mm. And so like what he's saying to me now is don't tiptoe around it. Like own this. Mm. Like we, we have the ability to connect at a deeper spiritual level than most people care to acknowledge, scared to acknowledge, or just don't want to believe. But we get to choose what we believe. So why would you not want to believe that that's possible? Now, I've got grandparents, parents, uh, friends turning up in dreams. Like my my wife's um, nan came to me in a dream calling out for help because she'd fallen out of bed. And I, it was so vivid. And I told my wife and she she then says to me later, my mum just called, nan fell out of bed. <laughs> and she had to call out for help. And I wasn't particularly into all this stuff at that time. Well, I mean, I was still really curious, but mm. I'd kind of switched off from it. And I remember thinking, what the fuck? Like, again, what else is possible? Like, that's, that's too direct to be a coincidence. And I'll give you another one. I had healing from this uh, amazing woman who's a shaman a few weeks ago. And she says, oh, who's that bloke over your right shoulder that's knitting? That's now, what? Knitting. Knitting. Now, anyone who knows my dad knows that that's him because he's the only man I know that, that knits. Yeah, right. So he used to knit a, uh, a stuffed toy for all the newborns in the church community. Yeah, right. So how could she know that mm. apart from the fact that she was connecting to him, to his energy, to, like again, you can make sense of it however you want, but that's something that no one else could have known. Mm. And then my daughter jumping on the trampoline and I was, you know, when she was two, oh, how did you learn to do that? Oh, granddad showed me. And I'm getting emotional. It's like, what was granddad wearing? And she relays exactly the sort of thing he would have been wearing. And like when I say exact, like he was the only man still wearing his purple flares, you know, like in, in the 2000s. Yeah, okay. And, and the hat that he used to wear, like, how could she know that? Apart mm. from the fact that when we're young, we have this incredible connection to source. And my nephew uh, also relayed a story that, uh, that, that granddad had showed him this thing. 
um, which again, like, how can this is things that people shouldn't be able to know, but they do, and and that's that's the potential for us to connect. So when people mention the word spiritual spirituality, people freak out. But someone, the listeners will probably be familiar with Brene Brown. She said, "Look at spirituality this way: if it's too much, it's spirituality is your connection to self and community. Mm. Your connection to self is infinite." And the depth of what you will find in your abilities and your connection, there's, there's like literally, there's no limit to that. And then when the deeper you go there, the stronger your connection to community. And now community for me is not just the physical, but my inner world, mm. my dad, my grandparents. You mentioned before, like, you know, when am I, you know, when are my guides and all these people going to turn to show up? So I've, I've had them show up, like literally – in meditation, they will introduce themselves by their name and, and how they show themselves to me. So I have a cockatoo where I'll walk out the front veranda and he'll fly and, and sit in the cockatoo and, and talk to me and, and I'll do my best to understand like uh, what the message is. Um, but sometimes he just will look to the backyard and, and I'll go, oh, you want me to walk down there and physically ground? And then fly off, and it's like, okay, well, I'll go down and do that. And then maybe I'm in the backyard, and I'll and I'll get some other animal or something. And that, like, again, it's like you can believe this is a load of crap, or you can embrace the absolute fucking magic and joy and happiness that comes from learning in this space. So yeah. again, it's a choice. Both are hard, but one feels infinitely better, hundred percent, exponentially better. Hundred percent, yeah. And uh, mate, I just want to acknowledge you for showing up and in your, you know, authentic, authenticness and your vulnerability to share what you've been through and um, and yeah, like how you've overcome this stuff and how you also help other people. So I really appreciate you, mate. And um, yeah, I just uh, want to give you the opportunity to. Um, promote anything that you are um, launching or um, anything that, uh, you know, you've got going on and, you know, anybody that's listening, maybe they are interested in signing up with you. Um, and then also, you know, where can they find you? Yeah, so I will share what it is that I do. Um, but in this sort of environment, I'd usually be shining my light on you because, like, there's a reason why I, I trust you to do the work for my clients that you do because you, you've got an incredible talent and an incredible abilities. And I think I said that to you when I asked you originally. It was like, well, you're the only person I trust to actually do it. So, but something that you've talked about a lot this week is when someone offers you something, you don't decline it. And there are still times where I do that. So I'm going to share and Regularly, I run my free program, and it's called Start, and that's uh, an acronym which is about acknowledging what's going on, so self-acknowledgement. It's about talking it out and talking it out in a safe place, which is not actually having to talk to me, but I'll teach you how to, to be able to do that on your own, mm -hmm. to allow yourself to feel whatever's going on and to release it and then take the next steps. So no matter where you're up to on your journey – feeling overwhelmed, like feeling like you're, you're like, again, my own journey, 
no matter how much rest you get, you're still exhausted, you're tired, you've got crazy physical symptoms going on, maybe you're getting the ringing in the ears, maybe it's just a tightness in your back, all these different things. The START program allows you to take that next step. Now, one of my clients, Sonia, who you know well too, she's done it seven times. (laughs) And she, every single time she gets something out of it, because there's another layer to release. And to me, it's, yeah, like people choose to work with me after doing that program. But it's just, it just is so great to be able to offer that. There are people who have done it heaps of times and they've never invented, inve- invested a cent with me and may never do, but they're just as important because of what they will share with the world through their own growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever you're listening to this, when it first comes out or whatever, I run them regularly. So if you go to any of my pages, uh, Ian Hawkins Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or feel free to connect with me on my personal page too, Ian Hawkins 111 on Facebook. And... Um, and you'll see when I'm running the next one. Beautiful, mate. Thank you for letting me share. Absolutely, mate. I uh, I have to share. I have to let people know about you because you do such great work in the world. And um, yeah, mate, uh, appreciate you a lot. And uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. I know you're very busy, so I appreciate it. And um, uh, yeah, man. Busy, but after we just told them we were, we've been playing golf and uh, doing whatever else. But yes, now I've got some catching up to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll be working all weekend. All right. So um, I would just like to say I, I really appreciate you giving me this platform. And, and every time I jump on a podcast, it's I tell my story in a different way. That was awesome. I've never told it in, in like, like that. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this in my own podcast. And uh, this is the message I got intuitively guided to share um, and it seems really particularly important to your listeners. Um, But I love you, mate. Mm. I love you too, mate. And I was going to say that. Awesome. Yeah. That's clearly why I was given that message. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. Cool. All right. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.